You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Okay, so the um, we have been, uh, over the past several weeks, um, uh, not last week, uh, um, because uh, I was away, but over the past several weeks, um, looking at a, a series of uh, short uh, pieces that, that Heschel has in his book, Man's Quest for God, which is a, a book of essays about prayer. Um, and it's a series of essays where he um, identifies a, a few different um, uh, uh, philosophical, theological, uh, um, maybe emotional problems um, uh, with prayer in the modern period. Um, you know, so uh, uh, people who, and, and in the previous few essays, he's been talking primarily about people who continue to say that we should have some kind of prayer life, um, but, uh, but disagree with, the, with some of the classical theological assumptions about prayer. Um, and we talked uh, together about uh, some of the reasons why that might be, um, uh, the, the, the Holocaust potentially being one, people's uh, uh, discomfort with God uh, following the Holocaust, and Heschel wrote this book in the early 50s. Um, uh, but, uh, but, but uh, these, uh, these uh, pieces that we've, that we've read have uh, 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 talked about um, uh, 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 spiritual absenteeism, um, uh, social prayer as a social act, right? The uh, the notion that we should continue having uh, synagogues, we should continue having prayer spaces, but take God out of them, take God out of the mix, be agnostic about it. Um, and so Heschel argues against all of those things, and he's gonna he has a fourth piece here that I want us to look at, um, which uh, which, which uh, is in a similar vein, um, but uh, but a slightly different direction. Right, uh, in which uh, a, a, an approach to prayer that removes God from the process of prayer um, and replaces it with a with a different directionality for prayer, uh, one that uh, I think is still very alive uh, uh, today. In some cases, uh, on a personal level, one that uh, um, that I sometimes uh, uh, touch on in, in my own personal prayer life, um, and I suspect that there are others that do as well. Um, but first, let's. Uh, the title is. It's on page fifty-six here. The title is the doctrine of religious solipsism. That's a pretty mouthful title. So let's just stop there for a second. What is solipsism? Self-absorption. Good. Can you say more than that? What did you say? No idea. Just came out. Self-absorption. Self-absorption. It's um. It's all about you. It's, it's, it's sort of egocentric, it's center-focused, it's where you take primary... Good. Right? Good, exactly. Uh, so that's the... Uh, that, that, that's the... Um, um, uh, that's certainly the manifest. That can be a manifestation of it, uh, and one way of describing it. It's um, uh, from the philosophical point of view. Uh, a, a solipsism is the belief that nothing exists outside of the mind. Right. So that uh, that every reality that you experience is a construction of of your mind. Um, 
So then, okay, so that's uh, that's the philosophical side of it. That's the uh, that's the, uh, the what Eddie suggests is the manifestation of it that it can manifest in in uh, self absorption, egocentricity. Um, so, what is religious solipsism? Any thoughts? Any guesses? It's all about me. I'm trying to figure out if it's if it's all about me or my way is the right way. Mm. What's the difference? It's all about mine. It's all about mind. Uh huh. And not M-I-N-E, a bit. Yeah. Not D. Okay. Oh, you said M I N E. It's all about mine. So I wasn't uh-huh. sure. Meaning, meaning what? My religion mm-hmm. is the one. Ah, so so and that's what you were getting at too. That it's a, a conviction that that your way is the right way. Right, correct. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, Lou, you had a. It was pretty much the same thing. It's all about me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so I think that uh, I, I think that that certainly can be a, a, a dimension of it. Um, I, I think that uh, um, that it hits more on on the line of uh, uh, what 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 Eddie's uh, talking about, which is that um, that. Not so much that my religion is the only right one, because if everything is a construction of the mind, then everybody's religion is the right religion for them, right? Uh, but it's but it's more that the the the, the point of uh, of religious striving is um, is uh, is totally egocentric, right? I'm 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 doing this for me, by me, about me, um, and, uh, and 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 nothing matters outside of me, right? So. Um, Classically, um, classically, Judaism teaches that there is a uh, um, a, a God, a, an other, right? That Martin Buber talks about I and Thou, right? There's an I, which is me, and there's a Thou. There's something that exists outside of outside of me, um, and and the the greatest Thou is God, right? Um, and you you know you have that uh, uh, you know it's hard hard to read the uh, uh, Bible. Um, um, through anything less than a metaphorical lens, uh, and say you know, Vayomer Hashem uh, El Moshe Lemor, right? That God spoke to Moses, saying that it's not an entity talking to another entity, and it's not you know ha- a construction of Moses's mind, right? Um, so that's a possibility. I mean, you can, you can argue that. Um, that's but you know, uh, Freud argued that about uh, about religion and about about God, right? That. Uh, that that we've that we've created God as a construction of uh, of 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 the mind. It's a projection of the superego. Um, right. So that's re- that's religious solipsism is uh, is the the notion that that all sort of spiritual striving is uh, is a is a means of connecting with the self. Right. So the doctrine maintains that the individual self of the worshiper is the whole sphere of prayer life. Right. All that matters in prayer is you. That's the doctrine of religious solipsism, according to Heschel. Now, again, he doesn't say who he's talking about here, what thinkers he's referring to. I could probably make a short list of my, my guesses, um, but I want to. Uh, I'm not sure if it totally matters. The assumption is that God is an, is an idea, a process, a source, a fountain, a spring, a power. Here, I'm almost certain he's talking about Kaplan and, and Reconstructionism. Um, uh, Process. He may be talking to uh, um, Whitehead and Hartshorn and, and, and the process people, although I'm not uh, sure here. Um, but uh, but uh, uh, the notion that, that that God isn't an actual entity, 
that exists outside the self. God is a an internal force within you, within nature, within the, the cosmos. And it's not really, there's not really God, it's just that's the term we give to that power, to that force. But Heschel says, one cannot worship an idea. So I want to stop there for a second and ask, is that true? Can you not worship an idea? I don't see that as true at all. I mean, we see people every day who I mean, may not be worshiping what we think of as a classical sense, but their actions are so focused on... And it could, it could, some of them could be good ideas, too. Right. Ending hunger, mm-hmm. as, as opposed to destruction of a nation. I mean, it, you know, both ends of that spectrum, but I think we see that every day. Yeah. Is that worship? Well, I think, I think to those individuals, it, it sort of becomes worship. It's the end all of their being. Well, so, I mean, that hits on, on a, uh, um, a question about what, what's the meaning of, of worship? What's the Fair. point of, of worship? And, and, and in, in my conception, I think, I think that you're right, at least in part, right, that, uh, that, what we, that what we pray to, or who we pray to, um, is, uh, is, a, is an expression of what we strive for, right? And what we, what we hope to serve, what we hope to work for. Um, you know, so um, um, I don't want to get, you know, too... Um, uh, uh, I don't want to fall into Heschel's trap of like saying, like, "Well, we're only you know we're only uh, worshiping ideas," um, but uh, um, but I think that uh, that there's uh, there's truth to what you're saying. What are, what are other people's thoughts? Is it is is Heschel right? Can you not worship an idea? I think there's a fine line between an idea and faith. Okay. Um. Personally, I feel like there is something, you know, greater than myself. I think my whole premise in practicing Judaism is based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but to some extent, it's um, it, it's an idea um, which I have to pretty much buy into. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you just sort of fooling yourself or just trying to look for um, some way to explain unexplainable things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's in part an idea, but I think it goes beyond that. Mm-hmm. So you, um, does that mean that you um, aren't comfortable um, uh, um, <coughs> that you aren't comfortable conceiving of God as um, for lack of a better term, as a person, as another mm-hmm. entity, right? That uh, um, that that when you when you pray, you don't feel like you're like um, you know talking to a uh, to an uh, uh, as if you were talking to another human being. I think I lost the sense of your question. Say it again. Yeah. Um, so you're saying, if I'm hearing you right, that. Uh, um, um, that 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 to a certain degree, you, uh, we all pray to an idea because, or you pray to an idea because, um, because there's no um, uh, there's no uh, um, firm 
actually lost. I think what uh, what 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 your what what your central point was. So, I, um, you want to try it again? Well, let's try this dialogue again. Well, the premise yeah. was that there's a fine line between an idea <coughs> and faith. Mm-hmm. I think if you're going to believe in a god, I think that much of it is based on faith. Mm-hmm. Um, because the idea of it alone doesn't take me too far. It's not something I can rationalize or go with, because you reach a point where I think there's a dead end when you just assume it's an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to be accepting of something beyond what you can rationalize or, um, you know, To reach a point where you have to accept some unknowns, some lack of answers, some <clears throat> lack of certainty, mm-hmm. um, and then you know you can. Then I think it may take some shape, some form. I'm not not another person, but something beyond all that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. And I couldn't articulate for you if you said to me, "Describe God." Yeah. Um, but it's more of a feeling or a belief. Well, taking his thought, I don't know if I can't articulate to describe God, then what more can it be than an idea? I'm I'm (coughs) grappling with this. Okay, so the way that I see this is that prayer is part of religion. It is one piece of it. The religion starts with the idea and the values that come from that. And then there are the strategies and the tactics that support the implementation of all those ideas and values. Yeah. Those are midot, and that's all the ritual that supports the midot. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's, it's an intricate system. So if you make it all about you, then you lose everything that's in the umbrella. So can I, can I, so where does God fit into that structure that you just presented? So that's at the highest level. I mean, that's, that precedes the idea, the idea comes from God? Because, well, yeah, I would say so, because if you say Torah, Avodah, Gimilut, Chesedim, so Avodah, it's one piece of it, but all three are critical to supporting the, the faith, the idea. Right, so I, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm still not hearing in that like where God fits in. Um, that that selflessness that comes from all three pieces mm-hmm. is not consistent with this mindset. Why are those three pieces selfless? I, I do. I just, I mean, the first thing when you started with this, when that popped into my mm-hmm. te- head was Unatana Toka. Mm-hmm. Which says man is nothing and God is everything, mm-hmm. and and just that that release and in some ways it's a relief to release yourself from that mm-hmm. and say God is everything. Then you can enter back in, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's just not consistent. He uses the metaphor of a wheel. Mm. Yeah, we haven't gotten there yet, yeah. Um, yeah, but I think that's helpful when, if you're trying to think about you say, where is God in this? So mm. he, I think he sees God as being the center, and prayer is one of the spokes that goes out. Right. Okay. right. Um, so can I just ask a yeah. question based on what you said? Do you first have to accept or assume there is a God before you can do the prayer? Or can you do the prayer and hope maybe that will lead you to a God? Well, 
I mean, we've kind of been here before, but I think that um, prayer is the window to approach, to challenge and approach. And you're never sure. So I guess the uh, the the, the, cha- the looking at the looking at someone who would argue against Heschel here, um, I guess the challenge I, I would uh, offer is um, um, how do you know that um, that the God that's the source of all of the things that you're talking about is not actually a construction of the mind, right? um, a construction of your own mind, um, and. You know, and I, I can also, you know, on a, a slightly different tack, I can make an argument that the that the three enterprises that you're talking about are actually like very self-absorbed enterprises, right? So um, it's virtually impossible to do a uh, a fully selfless act of tzedakah. Um, it's virtually impossible to do a fully selfless uh, act of Talmud Torah. You always bring um, yourself to to Torah study, and most people study Torah. Um, they might, there are probably, I'm sure, a lot of people who study Torah because they feel like they're commanded. That's true. Um, but, uh, but, I, but I would venture to guess that if you really push people on it, they would uh, say, I also study Torah because I get some kind of uh, personal satisfaction from it. I, uh, I, I grow from it. Um, I feel like I'm bringing Torah out in the world. Right? Um, uh, and, and the same with prayer. Right? So um, there's a, a, I, I think that, uh, um, that prayer also... Um, uh, Heschel argues here that it, that it can be a, a, a very egocentric act. Um, and, uh, and again, if God is a construction of the mind, and what you're praying to is a construction of your own mind, and nothing exists outside of that, then, uh, then, then, then prayer is also a, a, an, an egocentric activity. Um, so, um, But couldn't you also say that in prayer or in Torah study, if it gives you pleasure or you reach something in that moment, that maybe that is the way you find God? Uh, I think you could say that. Um, and personally, I would say that. But I think that the argument could be made the other way, right? That, uh, that, that you think you came to an insight that jumped out at you from the text, but it was actually something that your own mind constructed, right? Um, it was something that was, that was already present within your psyche that just needed the, the stimulus, um, I don't think there's anything we do that doesn't involve the self. Mm-hmm. The self is a necessary part of this, mm-hmm. but what this is saying is it's only the self, mm-hmm. and that's the problem. Mm-hmm. So you're saying, like Acts of Chesed, it does take more than one, mm-hmm. the giver and the receiver. We're not. I guess what I'm saying is, I'm not saying you should completely release the self, but it takes more than one, even in prayer. Mm-hmm. Who created the self? Uh, <laughs> it's a good question. It's it's a question. It's a good question for uh, solipsists um, who created the self. Um, uh, they they would say that the uh, that the self created the self, right? Um, uh, um, hey, self. <clears throat> let's get particular. Who created a little baby? The miracle of birth and the miracle of creation. Yeah. Who created that? I mean, we, we're a long way from babyhood, but we see babies that we love and enjoy and appreciate. Who created that? Yeah. Uh, well, it depends on who you ask, right? Um, uh, if you ask a uh, if you ask a classically religious person, uh, they would say 
God or a combination of God, a partnership between God and human beings. If you ask a, uh, uh, um, if you ask a uh, an atheist, they would say, "Mommy and Daddy created that baby," and uh, and and if you trace it back, the Big Bang created us. Right? And uh, who created uh, the Big Bang? Science doesn't know yet. That's what they would say. Um, and what would the solipsist say? I think the solipsist would say, "There's no baby." <laughs> <laughs> um, well, some somebody's crying in the other room, and you better go change it. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's too you know um, uh, caricature ish to to say, but I, I, you know, I'm thinking of like, have you ever seen the movie The Matrix? Yes. Right. Um, so this is a very platonic sort of system where um, where uh, um, there's a there's there's a you know um, there's a real reality which exists inside the mind. Uh, and, and there's a, a fake reality that the mind projects outside of the mind, right? Um, and so, you know, there's, there's that uh, when when uh, Neo goes to the Oracle in the Matrix, and he and he's supposed to, you know, uh, see if he's the one. the the one, the Messiah, right? And um, and you know, there are all these kids that are like, you know, pretenders to the throne, and and they're. Uh, uh, but what what it's supposed to show, what they're supposed to be all fit knowing. Um, is that the world that they live in is a, is not a real world? It's a it's it's a program that's been programmed into their brains, and so we have this kid there that's like bending spoons with his mind, and um, and and Neil's looking at him like, you know, what are you doing? How are you doing that? And the kid says, um, you can't bend the spoon with your mind. That's impossible. What you have to do is realize that there is no spoon, and then the spoon bends. Right, so um, so I think that that's what they would say about the baby is that there is no baby, um, uh, and that the goal of the, the goal of uh, life is to uh, is to um, is to uh, realize the, uh, the, um, the 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 falsities of our reality, the constructions of our reality, and so and I, uh, um, but I love this line. I want to get to this line. Uh, one cannot address his prayers to a fountain of values. One cannot pray to whom it may concern. Right, that's right. <laughs> Uh, could you? I, I just love what, you know. I, I like chuckle about that um, for a second. Like if you, you started the Amida with "To whom it may concern." Um, to whom then do we direct our prayers? Yes, there's an answer. As a recent writer put it, we address prayers to the good within ourselves. That's not Heschel. He's he's saying that this is what the solipsist would say. You're not praying to God out there. You're trying to um, elicit the highest ideals within yourself. Right. That's the point of the the study thing that I w- would say for I think a solipsist is that there's nothing um, there, there's nothing outside of uh, of you um, when you're reading a text it's a stimulus for the for the values that are already latent within you and it's just trying to draw them out right it's like a uh, it's like a Rorschach test right um, I don't wish to minimize the fact that we all suffer from an egocentric predicament um, I think Heschel is right about his time and right about our time um, and maybe even more so about our time. Right? We live in a world where people are are are, are uh, increasingly, exponentially um, uh, focused on themselves and projections of themselves. Right. So I think social media is a really powerful and wonderful tool. I use it all the time, but it also can be a a a, um, a, a, a seductive exercise in narcissism. Right. Um, and 
the iPod, right? A seductive exercise in narcissism. I don't, I don't care what anybody else is listening. I don't care what's happening around me. I don't care what's happening on the street. I'm going to walk down the street with my phone up here, my earbuds in my ear, right? Listening to what I want to listen to because God forbid that I should listen to a radio station that has what other people want to listen to, right? That might have commercials that pay for, right? Um, uh, it's a, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've constructed a society that, uh, that, that celebrates um, this, I think, sense of uh, egocentricity. Right? And, uh, and what Heschel's saying is that prayer should be a space where we decidedly get out of that. Right? Prayer should be a refuge from a world that is increasingly and entirely focused on the self. Our soul tends to confine itself to its own ideas, interests, and emotions. Right? He's talking about the iPod. Right? Um, but why should we raise the egocentric affliction to the status of a virtue? So don't make that prayer. It's precisely the function of prayer to overcome that predicament, to see the world in a different setting. This is what Charlotte pointed out. The self is not the hub. You are not the center of the cosmos. You are not the center of the universe. Even though many of us, uh, um, uh, on a moment-to-moment basis, might think of ourselves that way. Um, I know I sometimes suffer from uh, from from that malady. Uh, self is not the hub, but the spoke of the revolving wheel. It's precisely the function of prayer to shift the center of living from self-consciousness to self-surrender. Right? The, the, the point of prayer, he, this goes back to another essay that we looked at together. He said, you know, uh, prayer isn't a replacement for sacrifice. Prayer is sacrifice. Right? Prayer is about giving yourself up. And in, in Hasidut, um, they call this idea uh, uh, bitul hayesh. Right? nullification of your essence. Right? You're supposed to nullify yourself in, in the moment of prayer. What prayer is trying to do is trying to help you realize that there's, there's no you. Right? So the solipsism says there's no thou. Right? Prayer is supposed to say there's no I. There's not really an I. Right? Or there's only a marginal I. Right? The I is a piece of a larger whole. Right? Um, there is no spoon. There is no spoon. No, there's no me. There is a spoon. There's no me. Um, well, I don't know. It seems to me that in prayer, there, there certainly has to be a me or an I, because um, the whole idea is that there's a a partnership, and without one of those parts, then you can't have that. Uh, yeah. Except for if you if you look at the content of the prayers. Um, you could interpret them if you wanted to be creative and, and, uh, and intrepid about it. You could, you could interpret many of the prayers as inviting a partnership. But for the most part, they are about um, uh, God's ability to make things happen in the world and, their, and therefore your inability. Right? Um, but your acknowledgement of whatever those prayers are saying or how they affect you, leave out the last part, just acknowledgement of what those are saying um, means that you are accepting or acknowledging that there is something else that you, in the prayer, try to understand and relate to. So it just can't be without the me. Right. You're, not the, you're not the central focus, but it's intended for you. I mean, it's not like God needs these prayers. He doesn't need to have a seed door and read about himself. <laughs> uh, so uh, you're, you're hitting on a really uh, Im- important point, right? For, so for submission, for surrender, um, what Heschel's arguing for... Um, uh, there still needs to be um, a. There still needs to be two parties. 
Um, this is one of the challenges of, uh, of um, the, the, the concept of omnipotence. Um, we've talked about this a number of times, uh, but, but philosophically, um, um, how much power does a person need um, to, uh, to, uh, to exert influence over an object that has zero power? So if I if, uh, if 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 Manny has zero absolutely like you know uh, absolute zero power. Tells my my life. Is yeah, it? right. Oh, this, is uh, really, this, is, this is just a hypothetical. This is, this is just a hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs> How much power would I need to push him over? None. Yeah. Next to none. None. None or next to none. Physical, mental. What Phys- you physical. Physical. More than none. What? More than none. More than none. Why? He, he has no power, none. you said. What would it take to push him? So you just need more than none. More than zero. More, right. Right. More, okay, all right. So, Another right. non wouldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's so, N-O-N-E. I got it. I got it. Somebody doing rim shots. So, yeah. right. so, so slightly... No comment on what's sli- happening in Rome. I got slightly it. More, slightly <laughs> more than zero, right? Um, slightly <laughs> more than zero. So what that, uh, so, uh, so what that, what that means is that... Uh, that that if we say that God is all powerful, which is to imply that humans are no powerful, um, then uh, then then it actually doesn't say that God is very powerful at all. Right? God is only powerful if human beings are actually, and if the world is, has has power as well. Right? So um, well, all powerful doesn't negate that anyone else could have some. It just means that he has more. No, the definition of all powerful is God has all the power. Right. Or or. He has. He can do everything. You have a limited power and can do minimal things. He or she, you mean? Yeah. I, right. So that's one uh, possibility. That 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 omnipotent is the potential for power. Um, uh, so that may be. If um, one is omnipotent, if one is omnipotent, it doesn't say anything about the power and talent of the other. Right, the other. It, that that force has right. everything. But it doesn't negate the possibility that others have lesser or pieces of that. No, That's interesting. Uh, so I, I, I'm, I, I'm not sure if I agree with you uh, um, philosophically. Um, the, 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 the doctrine of omnipotence means that uh, that that God contained in God. What's that? That, all right, that, that all power is contained in God. Um, uh, and so you could make an argument that uh, that God reserves that power and then grants some of that power to him. But in so in in the moment of God reserving some of that power and granting some of that power to human beings, it means that at least in that moment there's a there's there's a limitation on God's power, right? Um, because in order for human beings to have power, it means that God has to have less power, right? Um, but in reality, it actually means God is more powerful than if God were fully omnipotent. Right? Because um, uh, you know, I, you, you need you need uh, uh, Muhammad Ali to beat George Foreman, right? Um, I actually don't know who won. Muhammad Ali won. Right? Uh, uh, so um, uh, you need someone with a lot of power to 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 exert power over something that's that's uh, that that has power as well, right? But uh, but you know, if uh, um, if if it were you know. Um, a baby in the ring, right? Um, you wouldn't need Muhammad Ali to to knock the baby out. Um, but what my point in all my point in all that is was uh, regard what what Hank was saying in the first place, which is that um, uh, that that in order for there, there can't be a full nullification of the self. This is uh, an argument I make against uh, 
um, uh, the Hasidic tradition, there can't be a full nullification of the self, because if there were a full nullification of the self, um, there would actually be no other. Right? There would be no God, right, if there were a full nullification of the self. There, right? So you need, you need a, an, an element of you to remain, right? There has to be a, a, an I that acknowledges the thou. Um, and if there's not, the thou can't really exist. Right? So there is, I think, a, uh, um, uh, a, a, a tension between, um, uh, between the, the need for a certain degree of, um, of, of, of ego um, and um, the need to surrender um, that ego on the altar of selflessness. That's, right? that's very interesting. I mean, putting the word partnership aside, we certainly talk about covenant. <clears throat> and you have to have two to have a contract. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and it has to be uh, uh, freely entered into by the right. other party, right? Um, so there's that, uh, there's that midrash that says that God held the mountain over the people's heads um, and said, accept this covenant or, or it'll be your grave. Uh, and then the Talmud, they say, well, if God did that, then we, then we have a great objection to the Torah because it means it wasn't a covenant freely entered into. And, they, and so the res- resolution is that in Purim, the Jews uh, uh, again freely entered into the covenant. Kimu v'kiblu, they, they, they rose and accepted it. Um, great, so uh, we'll, we'll stop there. I appreciate uh, uh, having learned with you, and uh, uh, my hope is that uh, we'll, we'll continue to pray from the point of view of, uh, uh, of our value and importance, uh, but also our, our uh, need to, uh, to give of ourselves and surrender of ourselves in the service of, uh, of, uh, of, of God and ideals and uh, a, a world that transcends us. Have a great day.